Well, uh, here's, here's what I believe about today, and here's how today is going to be helpful, and the mindset I would have you take for this morning. If you are a believer in Jesus, that means you are saved by grace. Amen to that one. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can have done to deserve that. It's only by his love, his forgiveness, his grace, what he did on the cross takes our sins away. Now that's, a, that's great news. That's why we call it the good news, the great news, the gospel, because we are saved because of what Jesus did, not because of what we have done or what we ever could do. It has taken all of that away. Now, on the flip side of that, that that requires us to ask a really important question next. So now what? (laughs) Now what am I supposed to do? We've been talking a lot this month about this new life that we've been given because of Jesus. He hands it to you. You receive it. You don't achieve it. He gives you this new life when you say yes to him. But then we spend the rest of our lives, once we say yes to him, now the rest of our lives are spent following after him one step after another, after another, following him. Now that that seems like a no-brainer, but it's a lot more difficult than that, isn't it? Right, on paper, that sounds super easy and say yes to Jesus and my life's forgiven and I'm gonna spend eternity with him in heaven and those things are true, but we have the rest of our lives to now follow him. That's the hard part. The every single day, the every choice, the every moment, How do I follow Jesus once I say yes to him? Now, if you're still thinking through and wrestling and you're not sure this whole Jesus thing, we're gonna talk through that by the end, but I'd hope you would have an open mind to that first step in following him. If you've said yes to him already, then you are somewhere in your journey of following him. You are taking steps after him, following your Lord, your King, your Savior, and I wanna help you take those next steps. I wanna help you figure out what it looks like to follow in his footsteps. Because here's what I know, personal experience, and I see it all the time, is as we take those steps following Jesus, there's always something to pull us away. Always. Every step towards Jesus, there's something pulling you to take a step away from Jesus. Right? We feel that. We have that internal conflict, that internal struggle, that internal battle of here's where I'm supposed to be going, yet I'm getting distracted or I'm being pulled or I'm being tugged in a different direction. That's what I want us to talk about this morning. Taking those next steps, knowing we are gonna be pulled in so many different directions. Probably happened this month, it happens every day, but especially this month, you got, let's go back to your New Year's resolutions, you get your New Year's resolutions. Do you know if you look at the top 10 New Year's resolutions, the top one, year after year after year, has something to do with health. Eating healthy, exercising, I'm gonna stop doing this, I'm gonna start doing these healthy habits. has something to do with health. So I brought something to help you towards your goal in health. Dunkin' Donuts. Because everybody knows a healthy lifestyle includes a dozen assorted Dunkin' Donuts. And you, you can't see it, but they've already started their Valentine's Day donuts. Super excited about this right now. But I made a resolution that says, I'm gonna eat healthy, so get behind me, Satan. I will not have any donuts. Oh, but they look so good. They smell so good. (laughs) Oh, so good. I mean, it would just be one. I have been, it is the 26th of January. I have done so good for 26 days. It wouldn't be terrible if I just had one. Agreed? 
For some, some of you who don't know, like it's my birthday, so that's a good excuse, right? I could, get a, I could eat a donut on my birthday. Can't say no to donuts on your birthday. It's a birthday donut for crying out loud. I mean, it'd be a waste of money. I mean, I spent the money on the dozen. It would be a waste of money, agreed, that if I just let them sit here, it would just be a total waste. God doesn't want us to waste our money. It's supposed to be good stewards of everything we've been given. I mean, Scripture does tell us everything from God is a good gift. Good gifts. We do that, don't we? We start to, to be drawn towards something. Even though we've made a commitment or we've made a decision or we know what's right. Today is not about what's right and wrong. Today is about how do we fight the battle of being pulled between right and wrong. Well, I've, I've made a decision to eat healthy, yet it just seems like this is a good idea right now. I'll, I'll eat one and, and then I'll just run a little bit more this week. See, what, what's happened over the last probably 30 to 45 seconds of us just talking about, I gotta shut this, this isn't gonna work very well, there we go. Of us just talking about donuts, it's what we do every single decision of our lives. Now, it might not be that exaggerated and take that long, but we all go through this progression of, ready for the word, temptation. We all go through that same progression of it starts with a thought. I would like a donut. I know I shouldn't have a donut because of the resolution I made, but I would like a donut. I know it's not healthy, but I would like a donut. That's the thought. Then what happens is we move to the next progression. If it's not stopped there, we move to the next progression of temptation called imagination. It's the second thought, the third thought. You're now dwelling on that thought. And now I'm living that thought through my mind. I'm living out that decision of what it will taste like when I eat that donut. How it'll feel when I eat that donut. How my fingers feel when they're sticky from those donuts. Right, you start going through that, don't you? We imagine what it's like. We think through and re we live the desire out in our mind. So we start with a thought that turns into imagination that goes into justification where we are so good at making excuses for our decisions. It's just one, it's not gonna hurt anything. It's my birthday, I'll work out more later this week. It's not gonna hurt anybody. We don't wanna let it go to waste. We have great reasons of why this is okay and we justify it in our minds of why it's okay and it's not a big deal. Thought, imagination, justification, now we have to make a choice. Am I going to actually eat this donut or not? There's a choice that must be made. Now, whether it's eating donuts or it's any number of temptations that we're dealing with, and again, a temptation is anything that has a hold of you, that, is, that is, feels stronger than you, that is pulling you away from God. That's the basic definition I can give you. Anything that is pulling you, enticing you. Scripture talks about temptations dragging us away from God. Anything that is con contrary to God, but it seems so appealing. It would not be a temptation if it wasn't appealing, would it? <laughs> It'd be the easiest thing to say no to in the entire world. If this was Brussels sprouts up here, no big deal. I'll say no all day long. <laughs> it's a lot more difficult when it's enticing, when it's something you want. It's the difference between what I know is right and what I feel like I want in, in the moment. So how do we walk through life knowing we will be tempted every single moment of every single day. There is constantly, once again, for every step you take towards Jesus, there is this internal struggle pulling you away from Jesus. So how do we deal with that? We can't say, 
well, Jesus forgives me of all my sins, so it's just whatever. I'll eat as many donuts as I want, he'll forgive me later. He'll forgive you, you're gonna have quite a big stomach ache though. <laughs> There's still consequences to our sins. There's still problems that will arise. That doesn't solve anything. It's a terrible way to walk through your life following Jesus. That's not following Jesus at all. It doesn't work to just be ignorant to it. It doesn't work to just say, well, I'll figure it out in the moment. We've got to do something different. If we're choosing to follow Jesus, thankful for his grace and his love, most certainly and first. But we've also got to wrestle with how we walk with him every step of the rest of our lives of following him. I was watching college basketball yesterday and uh, UK fans who were watching that game yesterday and something interesting happens and it happens in every single basketball game, happens in a lot of sporting games as well. You'll see the momentum shift to the other team and what was working for the team you're rooting for is no longer working anymore. And they're still calling the plays and they're, they're doing an okay job. They still understand the game of basketball. It's not like they just forgot how to play, but it's just not working. For whatever reason, the score is starting to have a larger and larger gap between it. The momentum is shifting and what they were doing is no longer working. So the coach on the sideline is all frazzled and he's yelling and he's calling out different things and he's telling them to do things differently. It's still not working. So finally, the coach does one of these and he calls a what? Calls a timeout. He calls a timeout and he gets everybody over and he pulls out the whiteboard, the famous coach's whiteboard. You know what I'm talking about? They do this all the time. And he starts just scribbling and writing things and he's pointing at people. He's only got like 30 seconds to change the course of the game. And he's writing things down, circling things. And they go to, oh, do the, oh. And they go out and they change everything and it seems to work a lot better. What the coach does not do, this is important. What the coach does not do is get everybody huddled up and says, put the basketball in the goal. He doesn't pull out the rule book and say, do you understand where, where out of bounds is? Do you understand like what's a foul and what's not a foul? No. no, he says, I understand you know the rules of the game. We're not gonna talk about the rules of the game. You know the rules of the game. And you know the point of the game. You know you gotta make a basket. You know you have to get more points than the other team. We're not gonna go over those things. But how we're playing the game is not working. We're not able to defend them. Our offense isn't working. We need to pass differently. So he comes up with some different plays. They all go in it together, one, two, three, and they, they go back out and they change something. What doesn't work in this constant struggle and battle and conflict of temptation in our lives, what does not work is somebody like me looking at somebody like you saying, do better. Doesn't work. It doesn't do me any good to open up God's word and say, well, here's everything that you should do and shouldn't do. Now, if you don't know those things, that's important. But a lot of the things we know, right and wrong, for the most part, we can have conversations on a handful of things, but for the most part, we know right and wrong. We know the direction of, of Jesus following us. It's walking it that's difficult. So if I can't say do better, well, what do we, what do we focus on then? We gotta call a timeout and change how we prepare for it, change how we play a little bit. When you walk into work tomorrow, when you walk home today, when you get in your minivan this afternoon, we have to change the way we play and walk through life if we're going to make it well. We're not gonna be perfect. This is not a sermon on let's be perfect and, and sin no more. Well, no, it's I wanna be faithful in my pursuit of Jesus. How do we do, do just that? So to help with that, we're gonna be in Proverbs. So if you have your Bible, head over to Proverbs chapter four. Proverbs four gives us great insight. If you've ever studied or heard anybody talk through Proverbs, usually it's called the book of wisdom. Dumb. Good job. You got it. Way to go. 
the book of wisdom, chock full of God's wisdom. That's important. There's a very big difference between God's wisdom and the world's wisdom. God's wisdom and my wisdom. So it's all about God's wisdom and the direction that he would call us to go, the way he would call us to live in every aspect of our life. That's what Proverbs speaks to us about. And in fact, Proverbs chapter four specifically talks about this way of life. I'll sum it up in verse 14 and 15. We're told, don't do as the wicked do and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. That's a phrase that you'll see throughout Proverbs. There's two paths. There's the path of evil and the path of righteous. The path of following God and the path of everything and everyone else. And he says here, don't go that way, go that way. Now again, that's the same as a coach saying, just do better, not as helpful but we see that theme over and over. So obviously it's important, but we need to know how to do that. That's where we're gonna pick it up. The last part, last section that we're gonna look at in chapter four is gonna help us with the how. If you're a note taker or if you struggle with temptation, you should be taking notes today. So here's what I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you three parts of this last section of Proverbs chapter four that's gonna help us change how we deal with and walk through our temptations. Now, before I do that, one last thing I need you to do. Don't write this one down. It'd be way too convicting, but at least get it in your mind. What is your greatest temptation today? Your greatest temptation. That one thing that maybe no one else knows about, maybe everybody knows, that one thing that has a grip and a hold on you that seems so much stronger than you, that you feel like you fail every single time that one comes up, that you know going into your day, I'm gonna deal with that today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have that thought today. I'm gonna struggle through that today. I know it's gonna be in my face every day. What is that temptation, that struggle, that inner conflict that you have? Hold on to it, because that's how we're gonna walk through this morning, with that in mind for each and every one of us. Keep in mind, temptation's not a sin, but it has a progression that leads to sin, and sin ultimately leads to death. So, this will help us all. Proverbs chapter four, verse 20. Three things we're gonna pick out of this as we go through it. First one says this. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life. Say life with me, for they are life. Huge statement there, isn't it? Not this is a good suggestion. This is a good idea. I would recommend, no. For this is life. These our life, these words of wisdom, of godly wisdom, they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your, far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast or be firm. Be steadfast in all of your ways. Do not, let, do not turn to the right or to the left, but keep your foot from evil. Like I said, there's three sections. There's, that's our new playbook, if you want to think of it in a sports term. That's our new playbook for dealing with the temptations we deal with in life every single day. The choices we make every single day need to filter through what we're told here in Proverbs. So let me help you categorize what we just read. The first part of that, verse 20 through the next several verses, pay attention, listen to what I say, turn your ear to my words, don't let them be out of your sight, keep them within your heart, because why they are, what was the word? They are life. That whole idea there is submit to God. Listen to my words, pay attention to this. See it, put it in your heart, pay attention to it, listen to it. Submit to God, you're listening to his 
words. Now, it doesn't say it in here, but again, if you read it in context, talking about the wisdom of God, the ways of God versus the ways of the world. Two paths, pay attention to God's ways and God, godly wisdom. Submit to God. Submit's a really funny word. We get nervous around the word submit because we love to do our own thing, don't we? Well, I would tell us our way is very much overrated. The ways we choose, the things that feel right to us or seem right to us in the moment, what we want to do is very much overrated when compared to the ways of God. So to submit says, it doesn't matter what I want, I will submit to what you want. Submit says, I, it doesn't matter what I think, I will submit to what you think. Submit says, it doesn't matter what I feel, but I will submit to you. It suppresses to uplift something else. Now that can be used in a really abusive way. Not so with God. Everything he does is for us, for his glory and for our own good, even if we don't see it and we don't understand it, which thus the difficulty of submission. About a month ago, I learned a new word. If you don't know anything about me, I'll share this and I'm not ashamed of it. I know nothing about cars at all. I can put gas in my car and that's about it. I'm okay with that. That's why we have mechanics and God gave them wonderful talents that take a lot of my money, but it's okay because I can't do what they can do, so I'll pay for it. But I had an issue with my car. In fact, well, it was my van. My wife was super embarrassed by it. Every time she hit the door lock, it would go, eh. And I was like, well, the car still runs. You're fine. She's like, it's so embarrassing in carpool. And I'm like, well, sorry. Eventually, she wore me down. I'm like, I need to fix this and I don't want to pay for it to get fixed. Surely, an intelligent man like myself could figure this out. Surely, right? So I do what every intelligent man should do and I get on YouTube. And I start Googling what's the problem and YouTubing what's the problem. And so there's something called a door lock, some actuator, right? Do you, anybody know what an actuator is? I had never heard of an actuator until last month. And so I read up on the actuator and it sounds like that's the problem. So I find a YouTube video of this wonderful mechanic that walks me through step by step on how to get to this so-called actuator to replace it and then put everything back together again. So I decided to do this one night. I'm watching it on you, I watch like 10 seconds and I do it and then I hit play and back and forth and Becky comes home late seeing her van door totally pulled apart. She says, what have you done? I said, well, I'm fixing it. She's like, does that mean we're getting a new van? I said, only if this doesn't work. <laughs> I said, no, 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 it's okay. I've got YouTube. This could not go wrong. So I get everything through and I find this actuator. I'm like, I never would have known that even existed in my car. And I went to AutoZone, I bought a new actuator. I went back to YouTube and he showed me how to put the whole thing back in and it worked. And the door went back together. It's amazing. <laughs> Woo! It worked because I submitted and paid attention to somebody smarter than me. It would have been foolish for me to just take my screwdriver and just start pulling stuff out of my car. Start opening up the doors like, well, I don't think we need this. That's probably the problem. Let's just throw that away. Now it'll probably work and put everything back. No, that would be foolish. Yet we walk through life that way. Every step we take, oftentimes when we're dealing with temptation says, well, I feel like doing this. This seems like the right thing to do right now. I don't care what everybody else says or thinks. I don't care what God is, is telling me. I want this and I want to do it this way and I want it now. We would never do that with our car. Why would we do that with our lives? Submit to God. We're told later in Proverbs that there are ways that seem right, that appear right, that lead to death. Those ways that appear right, those are what we see and we feel. On the flip side, Psalm 18 tells us, well, the Lord's way is perfect. 
absolutely perfect. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. Why would we not submit and listen to his ways? To submit says, I'm okay not knowing everything, but God does. Submitting says, I'm okay not knowing the right way, but I trust God does. To submit, there has to be a level of trust there, and you start there. When this battle is real, which I know it is for every one of us, don't let your heart lead. Don't let your thoughts lead. You let the heart and thoughts of God lead you every step of the way. So section one, it starts with submission. Pay attention to his ways, his words, his wisdom. Second part, verse 23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Now we're getting even more difficult. It's one thing to say, okay, God, I submit to you. Okay, God, I, I surrender to you. Okay, God, I'm giving you my life. All those things that happen because of grace. Jesus, thank you for your grace. I accept you. Now I have to trust you, but now I have to live that out. Now are the choices. Now are the decisions that are made. He talks about guarding your heart, what you say, what you think, what you look at, the direction you go, the steps you take. All these are action-based. So the things that we actually do, Oh, now it gets hard. Here's the, the phrase for you. If we start with submitting to God, after our submitting to God is a life of resisting it. Resisting what feels right in the moment. Resisting what we want to do. Resisting those desires and those compulsions of, oh, just one donut this one time. No, we have to resist it. So difficult, but so possible. Let me say it again. You can resist the temptations in your life. We don't choose to all the time, but you can, I can. We just don't always choose. But, but you don't understand, like it's so much bigger than me, it's so difficult, like I can't help it. Have you ever heard or said it that yourself? I just can't resist it. Let me change your thinking. What we're saying when we say I can't help it or I can't resist it, the reality, the truth is, I can resist it. I'm choosing not to because I'm lacking self-control. That doesn't sound as good though, does it? <laughs> it's not as good of an excuse on why I gave in to something, but that's the truth. It's not that I can't resist it. It's that I, I don't have the self-control to be able to resist it. In fact, Proverbs again tells us about self-control and the importance of it. We're told this, the evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them the cords of their sins will hold them fast. That's a great yet terrible visual of what, what happens when our temptations turn into sins. Verse 23, for lack of discipline, there it is, for the lack of discipline, they will die. Let astray by their own great folly. What it doesn't say is for the lack of desire, for the lack of good intentions, for the lack of a good heart. No, it says for the lack of discipline. We gotta get gritty on this. It's for the lack of discipline we are led astray. I really don't want to. I know I shouldn't. The lack of self-control is what, what causes me to not resist it. Good news, bad news scenario when it comes to self-control and discipline, you ready? The good news is you can get it. The bad news is you have to develop it. It's not one of these like, well, isn't self-control one of the fruit of the spirit so I get baptized and follow Jesus and yada, 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 the Jesus thing and don't I like have self-control? No, that's something that is produced and is grown. Like fruit is grown, this has to be grown in you and developed. 
So you don't just gain self-control overnight. You have to develop. And the best way to develop anything is through practice. So you ready for some homework this week? You're going to love me for this one. You're going to practice self-control. Do some things that put you in an environment where you are forced to resist something. Now, let's talk about what that something is. It needs to be something that is not a right and wrong, right? You can't say, I'm going to resist cussing this week and I'm going to give that up for a week. It's like, well, we can have an argument whether that's right or wrong or whatever else, but it needs to be something that is not right and wrong. Like, that goes back to the submitting. You just do what's right. This needs to be something that is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's something that's become normal in your life that you're going to practice saying no to. You're going to practice resisting. So I'm going first. Starting today for the next seven days, I'm going to resist coffee for the next seven days. We'll see how the sermon goes next week. Might... <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Find something that you are going to intentionally resist just to grow the self-control in you for no other reason than to just grow it in you, to give your chance and opportunity to practice. So some of you, you need to not give up coffee. Like the people around you will struggle more than you this week. You turn into someone else. So find something else. What is that thing that's become a little bit normal for you that is gonna be difficult to resist, but it's gonna give you a, an opportunity to practice self-control? I mean, you go through a list of them. It, it could have anything to do with what you are eating. Maybe it is something like a donuts or certain foods that is normal, but I'm gonna resist it this week, right? Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's the time on your phone. How many times you check your email? I mean, you could go through a list of things that have become normal that aren't necessarily bad things, but it would be a good thing for you to practice self-control and resisting this week for the next seven days. Can you do that with me? You wanna try it out? Some of you are like, forget that. Well, each to their own. You don't have to do what I say and you'd be wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> you will not gain self-control unless you develop it in you. You cannot develop self-control unless you start practicing. So don't be shocked the next time that big temptation steps into your life why you can't resist it. So you haven't developed it yet. Of course you're gonna give in. You've got to get stronger. You do that by practicing and letting God develop it in you. There's a supernatural component. There's also your component as well. You still have a choice to make. All right, second, third part. Verse 26, give careful thought to the, to the paths for your feet. Ooh, careful thought. Not just think about it, pay attention. No, no, it's give careful thought to the paths for your feet. Be steadfast, be firm in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left, but keep your foot from evil. That first part, give careful thought thought. You know, you cannot give careful thought if you're just blowing through life. You have to have enough time to stop and like think, don't you? <laughs> you have to pause long enough to give careful thought. You can't give careful thought when you're just in the You have to be able to pause long enough to think, and to pay attention. And what is right? And what path am I? And where are my feet? Give careful thought thought. There's a, there's a phrase that you learned just like me when you were probably in preschool. What's interesting though is um, I've never known anybody that could say, oh, I learned this exactly at this time and with this person and in this situation or this day at school. Like we've just grown up knowing it and learning it. It's the idea that if your clothes catch on fire, you stop, drop, and roll. We all know it, right? And I don't know when I exactly learned that, but I mean, my, my kids know it. And I'm like, did I tell them at school? Like, it's just something we know and we learn that we don't, if we're on fire, we don't just run and fan the flames even more. No, we stop, we drop and we roll, which goes against our instinct, which is why we have to be taught it, doesn't it? If we're on fire, we just want to run. Like, no, no, it makes it worse. So you have to stop, 
drop, and roll, but nobody grows up just knowing that. You have to be taught that, and our culture has done a great job of just teaching that, and it's changed our first response from run to stop, drop, and roll. What I'm reading here, the way I would put it in context for us personally, that give careful thought is to stop, look, and go. When you're facing those temptations, the the instinct would be, I'm just gonna just keep going. No, no, stop and look to give careful thought. Like, what is actually happening right now? Because the temptation progression that we talked about, it is usually, it can happen in an instant, but oftentimes it's slow over time. And we wake up one day and we're like, how did I get here? Why am I so stuck in this addiction? Like, I, I don't even know when it began. How did my marriage get so far on this end? Like, I can't, I can't pinpoint it. When did, when did it get so bad? It's hard to pinpoint it because it's this distraction over time. So stop, look around. Where are my feet? What decisions that I make? What are the potential outcomes of those decisions? Give careful thought to the path that I'm on. Stop long enough to think. Look around, like what's actually happening here? What am I doing? Am I in the direction of God or not? And then let me go and make my decision. Stop, look, and go. I want you to write this one down or maybe take a picture of it on the screen. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This is one of those you, you, you memorize. This is one that you write somewhere. You put it on a note card. You stick it in your phone. You do something with it. I'm gonna start in verse 12, but when we get to verse 13, that's gonna be your cue. That's one to have in your heart, not just on paper. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12 says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful, you don't fall. That's a great way to set this next part up. You think you're standing firm? You think you've got it? No, 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 I'm, I'm good. Well, be careful because it's very easy for all of us to fall. Been there, done that. Then verse 13 says, well, here's how we begin to walk through that. It says, no temptation has overtaken mankind except what is common to us all. So in other words, the temptation you face and what I face, they might be different, but guess what? We're all dealing with temptation. So there's no temptation that's overcome us that is not common to us all, that is common to man. But this next part, ready? Say it with me. And God, say it with me. God is faithful. Yes, he is. And God is faithful. He will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear, but he will provide a way out so that we can endure it. Have you ever heard the phrase, God doesn't give you more than you can handle? Absolutely wrong absolutely wrong. If God doesn't give you more than you can handle, why do you need God? I have a lot more than I can handle, which is why I am desperate for Jesus, which is why I rely on Jesus. So if you're walking through life assuming that you won't have anything in your life that is bigger than you, you're either not noticing it or you're going to be hit really hard. God is faithful, says he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, how's that work? Because I thought you said God doesn't give you more than you can handle because of the next part. Don't take it out of context. God will provide a way out so that you can endure. Do you know what endure means? Walk through it. Make it to the other side. Resist it enough to survive it. So those temptations that feel bigger than you, they probably are. That's why you need Jesus. And you need to stop and give careful thought long enough so you can look around and say, okay, where's my way out? God, you said you're faithful. You said you'd be with me no matter how far away from you I go. You promised that you would be faithful and I'm looking for that way out. And I don't always see it all the time, but God, you gotta help me see it because you promised to give me a way out and you promised to help me endure this. 
promise you he will every single time. No temptation's overtaken you except what is common to us all. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. So we submit to God first. These struggles are always gonna be here, but we submit to God first. We trust his ways, not my way. We trust his words, not my words. His wisdom, not wisdom, my wisdom. What breaks his heart versus what my heart is pulled towards. It's gonna be a constant battle that doesn't go away. So I submit to him. Then I have to build that self-control and that discipline to resist it. It's just gonna take some work. It's gonna take some practice. And in those moments, I need to stop long enough to look around and see that way out that God promised. I need to look for his faithfulness. I need to look for how he's helping me. I need to look for the people that he's placed in my life. And then I need to go and make the right decision to endure it. That's how we deal with this every single day. Sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? (laughs) Sure. But he is faithful and he will help you endure it through all things. Don't underestimate the value and the power of your choices. Ultimately, the choice God made to send Jesus to the cross for our sins, that changed everything, obviously. But don't miss the choices you make every single day that do matter. I am sure in my salvation. But I also wanna be faithful my time here on earth as well. So the choices you make matter, even the ones that seem small. I don't even know if you can see this or not. This is a tiny safety pin that's open, so sharp side out. The choice I make here seems pretty obvious. I would not put this safety pin as is in my pocket right now. It's gonna hurt. Maybe not the very moment, but at some point it's, it's gonna poke me and it's gonna hurt, I'm gonna bleed. So it seems like an obvious choice to close the safety pin. Simple. But when we apply it to our lives, it's not so easy. The choices we make have consequences, good or bad consequences. God loves you just the same. That forgiveness doesn't go away. 10 good choices over one bad choice doesn't mean you earn any more of God's love or God's grace. What it does do is it limits the pain of walking through this life though. My choices impact not just me, but you. My choices impact my kids and my family, your choices do matter. So we should work hard to make the right ones. If for nothing else, out of a love for God who loves us, no matter what. Let me read out of James real quick and then we'll we'll close out. James 4, verse seven and eight. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God he will come near to you. There's no amount of bad choices you can make that keep him away from you. He is pursuing you. Will you pursue him though? Submit to God, resist it, and move closer to him one step at a time. Let's pray. Thanks for loving us no matter what. Thanks for being with us and being faithful even when we are not. Thank you that no matter how far we walk one way or the other, you never cease to stay with us. So thank you for loving us unconditionally. Thanks for a grace that never ends. Thank you for mercy that that doesn't cease. 
But God, help us to walk faithfully with you. Not because we gain any more of your love, but because we love you so much, we just want to follow as closely as we can to you, to come near to you each and every step of our day. God, the major temptations we face in life, they don't easily go away. So may we first start our day in every beginning, every morning before we get out of bed with a desire to submit to you. Help us to practice self-control and help us to look for your faithfulness every step of the way. In Jesus' name.